Hi, you're listening to InsureTech Perspectives with Bolt. I'm your host, Fiona Mattesini, and my guest for Episode 5 is Clay Bodnarik, Bolt's Executive Vice President for Alternative Distribution. And Clay gave me so much to think about. First, we talk about some of the big changes all of us have seen over the past 18 months. Without a doubt, we are all facing a historic shift of the workforce. And it's not a shift that's going away. We also bring Clay's background and expertise into the conversation, and that's wireless providers. What are their challenges and what does their future look like? When I used to respond to all of those questions, I really did not have a good answer before Bolt. And one of the biggest questions in business today, how can wireless providers find the next big opportunity to move their business model into the next chapter? Don't miss this. It is so interesting. The opportunities, they're largely up to the imagination of the wireless provider. It's another great podcast from another great guest. Let's get Clay's perspective. Thank you for coming into the pod. And I'm really intrigued by your role and what you have to tell us, because you're clearly a seasoned insurance executive, but you've also enjoyed several key leadership roles within a range of wireless and telecoms companies. So to join up a few dots, up until this point on the podcast, we focus largely on Bolt in the US. But what people may not know is that Bolt is part of what is probably the world's largest and most successful insurtechs, and that's Bolt Tech. And as it happens, Bolt Tech is also one of the world's leaders in device protection. And please correct me, I think it's the market leader in Southeast Asia and India and is also doing terrifically well over in Europe. So taking all of this into account and what I understand your new role to be, which is sitting squarely in the centre of telecoms and insurance, you firstly, you must have found your dream job. And I know we have a few things under wraps for now that we can't talk about, but can you tell us more about your role at Bolt in the US and perhaps what led you to join the team? Sure thing, Fiona. I think first off, your comment about my dream job. Absolutely, that is the case. First off, I'm not as young as I love. And so I've been (laughs) in the uh, wireless space for a large part of my career, but then definitely moving for the past 10 plus years onto the insure tech side. It's really satisfying to be in a spot where I really can serve as that bridge between the two verticals and be doing that at a company like Bolt that is really focused on being that bridge between the verticals. Mm. Your comments about the difference between Bolt in the U.S. versus Bolt Tech globally, you know, absolutely virtually all of the clients that I speak with in the PNC side here in the U.S., they know Bolt very well. They have a, Bolt has a great reputation, but I absolutely do get the quizzical look from folks that says, how exactly does device protection fit into this story? And yes, Bolt has a platform and that's core to what we do with the insurance exchange. But we do have some compelling products that are very successful that are riding on the platform, both in the area of general insurance through our sister company, FWD, and then also the device protection that we are doing throughout Asia, throughout Europe and coming very soon here to the U.S., 
And as we talk more about Bolt and Bolt Tech, you see that wireless and mobile e-commerce is really the backbone that all of InsureTech is riding on. And so there really is a much closer synergy there than most folks would expect. Yeah, yeah. And it's also that facing forwards, looking into the future characteristic that Bolt keeps showcasing. And one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about is the role of device protection in relation to the traditional PNC insurance value exchange, because it's no secret the world is undergoing so many shifts right now in terms of how we live and how we work. And obviously, the pandemic has really crystallized that. I know that just like here in the UK, many homes in the US have spent the last 18 months or so doubling up as new workspaces thanks to COVID. And, you know, a lot of people have missed the office or going out to work, but huge numbers have also come to really like this new setup working from home. And add to this things like super fast internet, the rise of new connected technologies that that are in our homes. I mean, my son has just got an Alexa, for example. It is like the perfect storm. So my question to you is... From the consumer side, there surely must be increased demand for insurers to include tech coverage of all kinds in their product ranges. And this, to me, seems like a very obvious leap. But why hasn't this leap or this bridge been more prevalent or more successful? Mm, No, great point. And and obviously very timely. And without a doubt, we are all facing a historic shift the workforce. Mm-hmm. And you know, if we look at all of the research here on the, in the U.S., it's not a shift that's going away. We know that mm-hmm. the majority of remote workers will want to continue to have some form of remote work at least three days of the week. So that change is here to stay. And what's the impact of that, particularly as we look at PNC insurers, virtually everyone that I'm talking with right now is wrestling with how does this change the expectations, for example, of someone who's looking at their homeowner insurance. Mm, The definition of their home is not the same as Mm. it was 18 months ago. The home is now firmly an extension of the office, an extension of the workplace, and in some cases, somewhat of an extension of a classroom. So it has changed quite drastically. And so as insurers are grappling with what does that mean, what has to change in our coverage to be relevant to the marketplace, one of the first things that is kind of obvious and comes to mind is tech coverage in the home. And it's that tech coverage that is your computers, your laptops, your smartphones, your routers, all of those Mm -hmm. types of things that are critical to maintain that remote work environment is certainly fundamental to what the insurers are looking at. And that's what uh, homeowners are expecting and and demanding. Mm. Now, that is a very different space to be in for a property and casualty insurer. When I say that, what I mean is in the insurance space, when we put that hat on, we think about financial indemnification. I have something damaged. I need it to be protected financially. But when we talk about smartphones and tablets, the expectation includes getting reconnected quickly, Mm. whether it's same day through some sort of repair option or a next day replacement. That's pretty much the standard expectation. And so the challenge for insurers as they look to say, how can we provide this form of tech coverage 
where the real challenge comes in is they just don't have the ecosystems that are required to meet that kind of service level to get someone repaired or reconnected same day. And, you know, in the past, what you've seen is the wireless operators, for example, with access to devices, access to repair providers, access to supply chains that can manage uh, serialized inventory, logistics, all of those types of things are absolutely critical to providing that. And so that's really a key part of the challenge, I think, for the property and casualty insurers. Yeah, right. It demands an ecosystem of its own, which I'm guessing is actually where Bolt, or rather I should say maybe where Bolt Tech comes in. And actually, as you're speaking about this connectivity, I'm reminded of the Bolt Tech tagline, which is the power of connection. I hope I've got that right. It's, there yes. is the power of con- Yeah, <laughs> good. That's a good start. So if we flip this conversation to the wireless and telecoms vertical, I don't know much about this world, I'll be honest. What are their big concerns or themes or challenges? So interesting, there's some that overlap and some that are different. So as a, a wireless operator, one of the things that's just very, very evident is it is fierce competition. And so you absolutely are seeing operators consolidating and competing against each other. And one of the challenges that we see is there has been a move from, this is probably dating myself a little bit. There was a time (laughs) where you paid for long distance, you paid for data plans by uh, the number of gigabytes that you would have on a monthly yeah. basis, all of that sort of thing. Virtually all of the U.S. and Canada operators have gone to unlimited voice and data plans, which is great for a consumer. But what it does now is it basically means their revenue per subscriber is capped. And mm-hmm. so they see that going down continually. So I think that's a key part of the pressures that they're under. One of the things we're also seeing a lot of is those wireless operator networks are the backbone for mobile e-commerce, which sounds great. But when your uh, data and voice plans are all completely unlimited, that means the wireless operator, while they're enabling mobile e-commerce, they get virtually nothing out of that. Yeah, they've maximized their business model. Also, they think. Exactly right. So... Mm. You know, taking those challenges in mind, really the wireless operators are looking for, are there new products that we can do that give us the opportunity either to get something out of this mobile e-commerce explosion and to grow our revenue per subscriber by layering on top of what we're offering them today? Yeah, yeah. Because is pretty much the same in the UK. All of it is unlimited data, unlimited text, unlimited calls, and we can't imagine it being anything else, which of course leads me to ask a very challenging question, but what is the next chapter or future state for wireless providers? How on earth can they either differentiate, offer something new, or remodel themselves? Because you're absolutely right. When, when you're giving everything unlimited, where next? Where can they go to next? You're spot on. And I think there's some clues in this journey, and I think the wireless operators kind of know this themselves, which they're asking those questions, is they look at the success they had with device protection first off, which really was a phenomenal success story. The, you know, the growth of device protection here in the U.S. expected to hit $12.5 billion by 2025, so really a massive industry that has just hit the sweet spot for wireless Mm -hmm. operators and their subscribers as well. 
if you look into that space, you know, one of the things that I've seen in my purview over the past 10 plus years is responding to device protection RFPs from wireless providers around the globe. Uh, virtually every one of those RFPs in some way, shape or form asks that same question. We love what we're doing in this insurance space. It's not generally where we think of ourselves playing, but it's mm -hmm. been super successful. Are there other products or other capabilities that we can start to offer so that we can grow this part of our business? Yeah. yeah. And when I used to respond to all of those questions, I really did not have a good answer before Bolt. There just wasn't an answer that I felt was satisfactory. And a I know natural you, fit. Exactly. Yeah. And I know, and I've listened to some of the podcasts you've done with some of my colleagues, Jim Dwayne, our CEO, and David Brandeis, and they talked at length about how Bolt is really using technology to transform how insurance can be delivered to both traditional and to non-traditional channels. And we can leverage the same capabilities that Jim and David had talked about to a wireless operator. Yeah, maybe different opportunities, but still equal opportunities. And that's pretty much what I anticipated because it dovetails beautifully into everything that anyone has ever told me about Bolt or indeed Bolt Tech. It's an ecosystem. It's not defined by one singular line of business, um, which takes a while, I think, for anyone to get their head around because our, our natural line of thinking is, well, what do you do? And it's with Bolt Tech and Bolt, it's like, well, we do what you want us to do if you have a customer base. So if I was a wireless provider and if I was sitting in a meeting with you, can you sort of whet my appetite or think creatively for me? What sort of insurance products might be a natural fit for that wireless network looking to really bring their business into the next generation? I certainly see that almost in phases. And, you know, the most obvious one is if we start with today, we know and we've proven that device protection is an absolute proven success story. The next logical extension from that really is looking to how can I move from the mobile device into, into connecting a home and into connecting a whole family of connected devices in the home. And this mm -hmm. kind of goes back to our discussion about the increasing demands for home tech coverage. And as you think about it, the mobile device that a wireless operator is powering, putting the hands of a subscriber, that's the exact same device that that person is taking into their home. And yeah. the intelligence and visibility that the technology has to be able to see the other devices and interact and connect with the other devices in the home can mm. be huge, which is one of the reasons that uh, Bolt Tech has developed our Home Protect app. So that's a, an app that goes on the mobile device. There's kind of two key functions. The first function is uh, with the push of a button, the user is now able to detect all of the devices on their network in their home and then mm -hmm. scan and find. So we're talking about all the phones, the tablets, the speakers, the nests, the doorbells, all of the connected devices inside mm -hmm. of that home. So first we identify and we're able to provide some organized intelligence around that. And for the purposes of providing better protection. So uh, that protection can be as easy, as simple as registering 
the devices so that they've got them all in one place and seeing all of the devices that they've got. We -hmm. can track the manufacturer warranty and expiration dates so they know if they're if they're covered or if they're not covered, can give them access to support materials. So I'm sure we can all relate to a scenario where you've bought something and you need to look up the instruction manual to reprogram your router or something like that. And where do you look for that? And then finally, we can put coverage on all of those devices. So work with the wireless operator to cover the different devices in the home. And when we do that, The beauty of it is if you've ever had to make a warranty claim on a piece of electronics and you're looking for serial numbers and trying to manually input all of those things, since we've already discovered and registered Mm. all of those devices, is we can provide just a very smooth, expedited claim process. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That takes away some of the pain points of making a claim because, as you say, you already have some of that information because it's been registered. So it would be me as the consumer, as the customer on my internet using my phone. As long as my devices, these devices are connected to my internet, then it will scan and it will basically pick them up, whether it's my son's Alexa or whether it's my phone or my husband's phone. That's smart. Quite literally, that's smart. That's clear. And does that technology or that product belong to Bolt, Bolt Tech. Yes, absolutely. So that's a Bolt Tech specific proprietary product. Nice, cool. And do you have any other insurance products that you could see sort of holding hands with wireless providers and their customers? So the next horizon, which is really not necessarily time stamped in terms of it's a, a next step, but it's just a next step in terms of thinking. Uh, is to say, so what are some of the other things that are a complementary to what we just talked about? Some of the things that are super high profile right now here in the U.S. are both cyber and identity protection. There's been some very, very high profile hacks and ransomware type situations over the past year. Now, when we think of consumers working out of their homes Mm. on a work-based environment, the need for some form of cyber protection and insurance coverage is certainly front of mind. So that's certainly one. Next one that seems a little interesting, and you know, we just, as we just God willing, come through COVID and moving into a post-pandemic world. <laughs> Please, we, we yeah. saw First off, we saw travel basically shut down. Now we see travel absolutely exploding. And I, I would say a big thing about travel is it's sadly, you know, what we've been through has basically been an infomercial for trip cancellation insurance. I'm sure people who never thought of it before are now saying it's a must have. And similarly, travel medical, the fear of getting stranded somewhere and needing, you know, some sort of medical care has never been greater. So that's a very good fit into this wireless space. But absolutely, we can go even beyond that. You know, the opportunities, they're largely up to the imagination of the wireless provider. Yeah. And it does sound like the opportunities are are limitless. I mean, in that respect, it's pretty creative. It's down to somebody's imagination and their own creativity in terms of the products that could come out. So for a long time, you've personally sat at the intersection of insurance and wireless. Let me ask you, are there any best practices or lessons that you've learned on, on how best to capitalize on all of these opportunities? Well, I think one of the starting points on this one is bringing the best expertise to the table and developing a strategy. First off, the wireless operator lives, eats, and breathes 
their business on a daily basis and their business is successful based on how well they understand and how well they know their subscriber base in terms of how they've segmented it and know what's important to their subscriber base. They are the experts when it comes to that. Mm. At the same time, I think the wireless operators are the first ones to say they're not experts in property and casualty insurance mm. and insure tech tools to deliver that to their subscribers. So really, it's a collaborative approach to tailoring a insurance strategy for each individual wireless operator. And wireless operators are not all the same. In many ways, if you, you think back to, and again, I'm dating myself, uh, the old AM or FM radio stations. Yes. Yeah. They played a certain type of music, and that meant by the type of music they played, they knew who their audience was, and they knew what types of products to advertise to offer to those listeners. Uh, wireless operators are fairly similar. For example, mm -hmm. in the U.S., we have a number of major prepaid wireless operators. Mm -hmm. They know their subscriber base tends to be a fairly heavily underbanked or unbanked subscriber base. So are there products they might say are very specific to that audience? And I'll throw out one example might be something like a non-standard auto policy. Mm -hmm. Likewise, we see wireless operators that serve maybe a more rural part of the country. In that case, mm. they may be looking at perhaps a farm cyber coverage. Yeah. Uh, or even if it's a operator that focuses on covering large college towns, same thing where they might be saying, what are some of the insurance related products uh, that we need to offer in that environment be dorm based tech coverage uh, as yeah. an example. So just a, a lot of different capabilities, but ultimately we need to look at their existing customer journeys? And then how do we integrate the appropriate and relevant insurance coverage in a way that makes for a really compelling offer and excellent customer experience? Because mm, that's the future, isn't it? It's not one size fits all. Exactly. And as you've just brilliantly said, it, it will vary not just from geography to geography, but also demographic to demographic. And indeed, both of those things at once and other things too, age, you name it, and, and that's all data. And then that goes back to David Lewin's podcast. So it's great how these are all joining up and helping me make sense of the business model. It's bespoke. And so before this chat, you shared a great news clip that I loved that told the story of Michelle and her concern for her two dogs who spend a lot of time home alone, as many dogs do while she and her husband are out working. Could you bring that story to life for us? Because I think this describes a mindset that a lot of people are now adopting, which is this need to connect up all areas of, of our lives. Yeah, the story that you're referencing really talks about a lady named Michelle and her husband, who they're away from home on a fairly regular basis, and they're very concerned about what's happening in their home. And there's an expectation now that they would have visibility to see what's happening for their, their beloved dogs and their pets, or just mm -hmm. to keep track of, is everything okay at home? And in this particular actual case, they were out on a extended camping trip, and they got an alarm from a water sensor in their home indicating that there was some flooding that was taking place. And so they were immediately able to determine that there had been a, a hot water heater break in their home. Uh -huh. And because they received an alarm while they're out camping, they were able to save thousands of dollars of, prevent thousands of dollars of additional damage. Damage, yeah. 
whereas time was they'd come home and just see the home would be flooded and mm-hmm. that would be it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and really that goes on to just talk about how insurance companies are really partnering and leveraging technology and IoT devices to mitigate billions of dollars worth of losses. And I think this kind of goes back to a big part of our discussion here is bridging verticals and how it's really a win-win on both sides when you bring in technology and internet and IoT devices and you're able to bring your strengths together and Mm. better protect people and better protect their homes. Yeah, and that's tech at its very best, isn't it? And finally, and I'm so glad we're going to talk about this, we had a very brief chat, as I said, ahead of setting up this call. And at the very end, you just slipped in very casually this wonderful piece of, I'm going to call it clay trivia, Mm. which is that you and your wife are very accomplished ballroom dancers. And in fact, by the time this podcast goes live, you will have both competed in a US national competition. And I will update the uh, podcast show notes to reflect those results, if that's okay with you, once we know what these are. Mm. I love dance. Um, mm. So much so, my elder daughter, Darcy, is named after the ballerina Darcy Bustle, mm. possibly Britain's most famous ever dancer. I love watching old Hollywood movies with clever dance scenes. Um, please, please talk to me about dance. <laughs> no, sure, gladly. For my wife and I, we had really taken up dancing late in life. Actually, my wife is a lovely dancer. She does ice dance as well. But, you know, me as an engineering type, it's not something that comes naturally, but uh, right. it's been my dream to be able to dance with my wife. And so, you know, a few years back, uh, we took that up. And certainly during the COVID time, our COVID bubble of friends that we would interact with was largely centered around our dance friends and our dance Mm. studio. And so it really was something that gave us the opportunity to just really enjoy learning and practicing more and looking forward to being able to compete at the U.S. Nationals. That will be the beauty of that is, is there it's done by age level and by proficiency level for there's absolutely a category for everybody. So really enjoy that. And when is this competition? It's early November? It would be November 5th and 6th in Chicago. Right, okay. And what kind of dance? I mean, obviously ballroom dance. I mean, gosh, so many different types of dance. What is your favorite? What is your specialism? What what will you be doing? Well, I can tell you for sure, we do not do Latin. Uh, I don't have the hips for that. It's probably the best way to describe (laughs) it. Uh, So we do standard ballroom and absolutely love waltz, foxtrot and quick step is what we'll be competing in. Yeah, I'm half Irish and my husband and I, we got married in a beautiful old Georgian house just down the road from where my mum is from in Ireland and where most of my Irish family still live. And Irish music has been a huge, huge part of my life. And our first dance was to a song called Fisherman's Blues by the Waterboys, which sounds very Irish, but actually it's a Scottish band. Anyway, they have a big Irish following, but we realise it's very hard to dance to this song. So Paul and I took dance lessons and we still maintain that our dance lessons were one of the most fun and bonding things we ever Mm. did as a couple. Is that generally the case with real life couples? Because I imagine they either just really fall apart and just think, oh, we'll never do this again, or they really bond and have a wonderful time. There's both. There's absolutely a lot of bonding. And, uh, you know, even after 36 years of marriage, there's a lot of learning about each other. Right. Very diplomatic, Clay. (laughs) 
Well, I wish you all the best and please tell us how you get on with the dance competition because that's uh, really a wonderful thing to talk about as well. But um, in terms of the wireless and the insurance, fascinating. I know that there are other things that we could talk about, but right now we're going to put those on ice, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to get you back in the pod. And I feel there's a lot more that we could talk about actually in the coming months. So Clay, thank you so much. Thank you, Fiona. It's great talking with you. And that ends our podcast. If you want to learn more, head to boltinsurance.com and do make sure you follow Bolt on LinkedIn because we'll be putting a load of bonus content on there as well. You've been listening to InsurTech Perspectives with Bolt. My name's Fiona Mattesini. Thanks for listening. <laughs>